Cinema Sex Ed contains strong language, sexual scenarios, and potentially offensive comments. It is intended for maturely immature audiences only. Are you ready? Cha-cha. Cha-cha. Balls. Rusty trombone. Hot Carl. Rim job. Toss my salad. Cinema Sex Ed. Cinema Sex Ed. Nipple clam. Chocolate coxicle. Pink taco. Hop on this, baby. Cinema Sex Ed. Cinema Sex Ed. Money shot. Anal Intruder. Cleveland Steamer. Gas Mask. Cinema Sex Ed. Cinema Sex Ed. Reverse Cowgirl. Yeehaw! Teabagging. Kama Sutra. Kama My Face. Cinema Sex Ed. Cinema Sex Ed. Welcome back, students, to another episode of Cinema Sex Ed. I'm Miss Jenny. And I'm Miss Marcy. And, and class, class is, is in. in. So been a while, Miss Jenny. I missed looking at your face. How are your holidays? My holidays were lovely. How were yours? Mine were lovely. <laughs> I heard your Christmas tree was getting trimmed, or your <laughs> your Hanukkah bush. It was getting lit quite a bit. <laughs> that can always make for a happy holiday season. Huzzah. Huzzah. I don't even know what huzzah means. It well, just seemed the right thing to say I, I, right I love there. the word huzzah. I know. Sometimes you just need a huzzah. Damn straight. So huzzah yeah. to you all out there. We hope your huzzah. days have got some huzzahs out there. Today we're going to be discussing the, the 2015 film The Danish Girl. It was quite a knee slapper. <laughs> <laughs> the uproarious comedy. Quite a clit rubber. <laughs> oh. oh. Oh, a clit tickler. Um, my question to you is, Jenny, Quite why the fuck are we covering the Danish girl? Well, that's a very good question. I know, and I, I think you probably have a well-informed and educated answer. So, the reason why we're covering the Danish girl, because I understand that it might seem like it goes against what our original edict for the show was... Um, but, it makes me feel funny down there. Yeah, but I think that cinema sex ed is bigger than that, and that it's global. God damn it! It's global. It's more encompassing. It's clitoral. I feel uh, both Miss Marcy and I have have this feeling on many counts. You know, we're both uh, in positions where I think education and growth is always important. Uh, and that's that's personal growth, uh, mental growth, and not growths somewhere in your nether regions, which we don't wish for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Those can be problematic. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, you know, the Danish girl is, uh, you know, it's very timely. Transgender issues are in the forefront. Listen, I've been touched by it personally. And and I think that it's, it's time to have a conversation about this and... Um, so we're not really, although we will talk about whether or not it's a sexy movie. Uh, it is not. <laughs> that was Miss Marcy. Uh, yeah, like they don't know by now. But uh, <laughs> if you're I just tuning in, Eddie Redmayne. Oh, I know, and so that's what makes this even more fascinating a discussion for and, me as and well. And we're just gonna, I'm just gonna go right in and say, who knew Eddie Redmayne was not circumcised? But now we do. Uh, I didn't look that closely. I did. But when I he was, tucked, it was a caped crusader. I was really appreciative of the the boldness and at the same time not surprised because it looks like he's packing. I I only saw part of it because Linda Eastman covers my eyes during sex scenes in movies. 
Of course, you know, I think I have he doesn't want say... me to compare to anyone. <laughs> the, the well, yeah, give it eight years. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, how different this is from like we talked about watching all the right moves with uh, Tom Cruise as kids and the like shadow trying, of a penis. yeah, just trying to you know press pause and see it. Or Anne uh, Bancroft when they were trying to see if that was her boob. There it was. Yeah, like, exactly. Eddie Redmayne's penis, and, and he touched it, and he tucked it, and and nobody was pressing pause. And and you know I I appreciated I I don't I didn't know how to tuck before then. I don't have a penis, so I will never be tucking mine, but I know that's something that is necessary. Now, I feel very confident that my ex, Lawson, definitely would, would tuck and dance and do things like that really? just, just for fun. Personal. Personal moments. Not as an act of gender expression, but as an act of boyish... Uh, Trying to trying to elicit attention or humor. But. So I think that Eddie Redmayne's penis. <laughs> Eddie Redmayne's penis may have replaced Tony Danza's penis in our our theme song. Well, you know, Tony Danza's penis is sort of the mascot of Countdown to the Comeback. So That's maybe true. Eddie Redmayne's <laughs> penis is the mascot for Cinema Sex Ed. He's very gingery. He's he's your ginger. He's your ginger god. So or he <laughs> he's a fire crotch. He's, he's, he's a burning an bush. uncircumcised fire crotch. I'd never seen a fire crotch. Or Jenny is going to be shocked at this next statement. That was the first caped crusader I'd ever seen. Really? I've never seen an uncircumcised schmecular item. Personal, personal moments. I have Before. to say that my first, when when I realized I was capable of multiple orgasms, it was because I was having sex with some, I don't know that it was because of, but I was having sex with someone who was uncircumcised. Really? But it was, it, I remember since this is an interesting conversation that I, topic that we I wasn't planning to talk about, but I think it's great that you brought it up. I think it, we we don't think a lot about circumcised or uncircumcised just generally, right? And who is and who isn't. I, well, Why would yeah. you? I mean, you're not like shaking hands with someone. I wonder if this person's circumcised. I mean, it's not uh, something that's at the forefront. But where I grew up, uh, everyone that I remember touching or seeing was circumcised. And when I got to college, my first boyfriend in college was uncircumcised. But I remember the first time sort of my hand was in that vicinity checking out the equipment and I was thinking to myself, just act normal. <laughs> just act normal. There's nothing unusual about this. It's nothing perfectly natural. Just just don't just don't make a big deal. Just go with it. Um but it it was very unusual and uh yeah, once I kind of learned how it worked and it worked beautifully for me and I was like wow I I can have multiple orgasms and that he was a lovely person so but it did give you multiple orgasms yeah so maybe this is a cinema sex ed product yeah press on foreskins the yes. Lee press on foreskin <laughs> it could brought to you by Genmar <laughs> you could have little like velcro tabs you could put one on your the sad area. thing about circumcision is that it, it 
uh, supposedly it just there's one sad thing about circumcision well i don't know there's probably many sad i mean there's yeah i mean there's belief that it's traumatic to a child and uh but that it's boys out there if you'd like to send us in traumatic (laughs) circumcision memories Genmarfilms at gmail.com. Gmail it. Please don't post it to Facebook page. (laughs) (laughs) And no photos, though, please. Uh, But it, it, it's like female circumcision. Like that, that there are nerves and in the foreskin that men lose. They lose a whole range of sensitivities that you can never get back you can there's all this regrowing your foreskin and and where they do all sorts of magical things pulling and they're doing that stretching yeah yeah it just looks painful but what if you met somebody what if you weren't you know not married and you were dating and and somebody was doing and you 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 got to the point where the pantaloons came off and they had like rocks hanging yeah (laughs) i would what is that oh just a little foreskin stretching i'm uh yeah don't don't mind it i don't uh i'd probably (laughs) think to myself just act natural just act natural is here don't shame him. Don't shame him. I see. I would fully shame him. <laughs> you would scream and go running us. from the room. I would scream and run. Yes, I. It's not. It's not the fact that he had the rocks. Vagina. Yeah, but it'd be the clicking sound that the rocks make. <laughs> yeah. See, I have this childhood trauma myself. Do you remember click clacks? You might be a little uh-huh. young. Okay. Click clacks were this toy everybody loved, and then somebody put their eye out, and everybody the, everybody warned you. There's all this stuff on the news. Don't use click clacks. You could put your eye out. So I'd be afraid <laughs> if I ran into a guy with rocks on his foreskin. Like, don't have sex with the foreskin grower. You could put your clitoris out. You can't walk down any street without hearing this noise. And they're clackers. Besides being about foreskin and the uncircumcised penis of Eddie Redmayne. Uh, and a discussion of the film The Danish Girl. I hope to also just talk a little bit about gender identity and sexuality and um, transgender uh, issues and all of that. Because in in the true story, um, Einar Vayner, although it's spelled very strangely because it's Danish, Einar Vayner... Was, was it Elba? Yeah, he changed the his female identity was Lily Elba. Elba was the name of the river. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so Lily slash Einar, or Einar slash Lily, however you want to look at it. What came first, chicken or the egg? Um, was one of the earliest people to have gender reassignment surgery. There were a couple done beforehand. I um, thought in the movie they said, in the movie, I guess they took traumatic license that she was the first. Yeah, so the so the movie is based on a book, The Danish Girl, which is a fictional which is a fictionalization adaptation of Lily Elba's diaries and notes which were that she if yeah. you, if you saw in the film, she was she's yeah, keeping she was very time. surreptitiously yeah. writing it. So there are amalgamations of people, um, composites of people and situations it's very it's not i haven't read the book but from what i know of uh, and i haven't read the original man into woman um but from what i understand it's 
it's very, I mean, it's, it's Hollywood, it's a movie, it's condensed, it's let's, you know, let's pick out the essence and the important moments and kind of make of them what we will and put them out there and um, certain things, you know, like Hans is, I, I don't know if that was really a real person in his diaries, but it's kind of a combination of, of people. Yeah. Um, and from what I understand, he's not the person that Gerda was with or whatever. One of the things I thought was kind of interesting was that Gerda, uh, that they were divorced when Lily died, of course, when she went in for the womb transplant and all that. But Lily died in 1930 and Gerda died 10 years later, but had been married to some like got married to some like Italian military guy who blew through all of her money and she died alone and penniless oh. 10 years later which they don't put at the end of the I movie I really wish they had I, I mean I although you know maybe I wish I hadn't known that god damn you Jenny <laughs> <laughs> well I kind of wanted I wanted Gerda to have a happy ending I wanted yeah, her to I know her I loved Hans I loved him I loved him too he was my what favorite was character name? I don't know let's let me look yeah it up. because um he the, was wonderful and so uh I didn't print up a summary but I'll I'll just kind of do a, a quick one here so at the beginning of the Danish girl um Einar Vayner played by Eddie Redmayne and his wife Gerda Vayner played by Alicia Vindic Girls, I can't pronounce her name. Is that right? The, the one, yeah, she got. They both got nominated. Both nominated for Oscars this week, which I think they should have been. Absolutely. I didn't love the movie, but I think they, sh- they their performances were beautiful. She was. She's unbelievable. She was she's lovely. So good. She's so great. I'd never seen her before. I. She was very compelling. So they play a a couple of young kooky artists, li- Danish artists, living in Copenhagen. Uh, he is his success is on the rise as a landscape artist. Uh, we also see that he seems to paint backdrops for the local ballet, theater, opera house, whatever, where they have a relationship uh, with the people there. And by relationship, I don't weird, mean sexual. I just mean that he's connected to them. That and annoying kind of ballerina. I couldn't stand her. Uh, Amber Heard plays their friend, the ballerina, who's like Anna or Ula or something. Um, and she's also kind of a composite character based on a real friend of theirs who was a ballet dancer or a model who ended up naming Lily Lily. So long story longer, Gerda's not having the success with her career that Einar is, but they're this cute celebrated couple around art circles and nobody has any suspicion that anything is going on at all with Einar. One day, Gerda, who does portraits and is told by another art dealer that she needs to do something, that he can't help her until, the art dealer tells Gerda that he can't help her until she's doing something else, like some other kind of That was real? Well, it said at the end of the movie that Gerda painted Lily the rest of her life. That was like her career. Yeah. Ten more years. Which I guess is, at first I thought it was less than that, but I'm like, for the rest of her life, it was only 10 years. 
Was she like? That makes me really sad. Was she obsessively painting it like Jane Seymour does those stupid hearts on that commercial? Oh, we always imagine that Jane Seymour is locked heart. up somewhere in a dark room with just a pen and a paper, just over and over obsessively painting those double hearts. It's my double hearts for K jewelry or whatever that is. Do you know that Gerda was from Pasadena? What do you mean, Gerda? Uh, like Pasadena, California? No, she wasn't. Yes, she was. What? Yes. Gerda Vayner. Mm-hmm. Um, the author of the book that it's based on wrote another book called The Cupcake. I have to look it up. But, um, and it was based in Pasadena. When I was reading it, it said uh, this author likes to write, you know, about people like Gerda Vayner or Gerda Wagner was born in Pasadena and moved there to paint. Okay. That's why they spoke English together. That is something that I did not read anywhere. It was very surprising to me. Yeah. Um, interesting. I'm like, now, like, who is this? Well, wait a minute. Here it says she was born. Oh, no, we meant that's, yeah, that she was born in Copenhagen, in Copenhagen, um, in Denmark. I will, I will find where I found it. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Whoever I, wherever I read it could have been wrong, but that's what it said. I was surprised by that. Yeah. Um, and she's best known for erotica. Um, I still can't find her. First off, her, her maiden name is Gottlieb. Shout out to Uncle Carl. Um, yeah, I don't see anything at all on the Wikipedia page about... Matthias Schoenartz. That's who played Hans. So anyways, going back to the story, because this is all hot mess at this point thank you for sticking with us the young couple seemed to have a very active and lively sex life at the yeah beginning. they couldn't keep their hands off each yeah, other yeah just this young koopy ki- kids trying to have kids of their own and unsuccessfully uh and you can see the pressure that they're both under to reproduce and after she gets rejected from the art dealer at first, she's very upset and she has her period. And you know that it's not just the artwork that she's upset about. Again, another month has gone by and, and no no pregnancy. So one day her model doesn't show up. She asks her husband, Einer, to pose in the model's stead. He puts on the stockings and shoes and... And at first, there was a feeling of shame. Like, at first, that first look on his face was a feeling of shame. But but it was very clear that something was awakening or brewing oh, underneath. Oh, so clear. Einar is posing for Gerda and having some sort of a internal struggle. But as he is putting on stockings and shoes and she asks him to... She says that she needs the dress to to sort of get the full thing, and he has a very strong reaction. He's not going to put on the dress, and she's like, "I'm not asking you to put on the dress." And in the middle of this moment, where he's kind of clutching the dress and fondling the fabric, their friend enters and makes some comment. But their friend, played by Amber Heard, and makes some comment, naming her Lily. Again, I wanted to slap her all throughout the movie. <laughs> There was something about her. Oh, I'm just, I'm just a wild, giddy ballerina. 
I kept, I'm their kooky friend. I kept wondering if they had cut out more of her because there was there wasn't a lot of her. She seemed to, to just show up when it was convenient. There were a lot of things in this movie like you couldn't really tell when Einard had the first surgery. You know, like he was in the preparation point and when they were doing that thing with the the mask. The mask had he had the surgery. It was like not there was a lot that was unclear. And she was another character. It's like, wait, wait, wait. What? Who? who? You know, like, yeah, you, you what is to, her like, relationship? Constantly be, I, I found in this movie, I was constantly to take inventory and go back. And, you know, I don't really like a movie that I feel like I need uh, cliff notes with. I understand that. And I, I would say that on rewatching the film, because we both have the Academy screeners, so rewatching the film. Uh, there were things that I didn't notice the first time watching it because I hadn't done this research. So I understood sort of a little bit more about who she was or what was going on um, or who she might have been representing after I had done a lot of this research. And and I, I think that the true story is a little bit more interesting and fascinating, but... Back to the the story. So Lily is born. There's some big art ball that your favorite person. I, I don't know whether she hosts it or whatever because she seems to be the, the, the friend seems to be really pushing Gerda to go. And Einar does not want to go. But somehow they come up, Gerda and Einar come up with taking a Lily, like having Lily come. And they go and Lily is approached by somebody named Heinrich who is sort of I don't know seducing her or interested in her she knows it's either yeah but it's unclear at first whether or not Heinrich knows that Lily is Einer or not although there's a lot of there are a lot of comments you're not like other girls and things like that that make one thing and like, when they kiss and he calls her Einer Right. Well, that's, that's later. That's later. That was a big indicator for me. Yeah, that was an interesting scene, though. And that's that's later on down down the line. But so he so kind of hooks up with Heinrich. She sees this kiss between them. What? What? But let's. What about what was what was the symbolism of that nosebleed? That was very interesting too, because they never really talked about that, and no. I don't know whether it was something in it Einer's was like diaries. another thing it's like, in that movie. Like, like why? Okay. What? What? What is that? I don't... Well, I I speculate that it's, and this could be completely wrong, but that it's sort of kind of artistic symbolism of either Lily or, or Einar, somebody trying to burst forth, or maybe Lily being born, or also kind of the mirroring of menses of, of the period of... that's well there was some allusion made to that yeah but how I, you know what but it wasn't I've, established I've been to make my sense period since i was 11 years old it's, it usually comes out of my vagina it's never <laughs> come out my nose no and i'm glad that makes i'm happy i would not want to wear a nasal tampon <laughs> there's nothing there, that, to, <laughs> to come mouth breathers yeah or a nasal pad <laughs> With a belt. With a belt. <laughs> Only in the 50s. Right. <laughs> it kind of look a little bit like um, Hannibal Lecter with a, with a belted pad. Don't you feel bad for our moms that they had to wear the belts? Oh. Can you imagine? 
Now, well, I feel even worse for the women long before that who just had to stuff go to rags. The red, or they go to the red tent. And that's another thing from doing some of the research about the real Lily was finding out that Lily's, and this isn't really a big surprise, but that Lily's drive was to have a baby, like was to become a mother. And, and that's what killed her. Yeah, exactly. And they still don't do that. They still, the womb transplant. Still, oh, yeah, that, God. Well, and b- the other thing is, is at that time, there was an, I, I don't know the name of it, but there was a drug that had not yet been discovered or marketed or invented yet, which is given to people when they're having organ transplants of any kind that keeps the body from rejecting it. So because that didn't exist at the time, that's kind of what killed Einer. Um, Lily, sorry. Because she was trying to have a womb transplant. And that's that was fatal. So Lily is born and the rest of the movie is sort of the struggle between Gerda and Einar and Gerda and Lily and and Lily sort of killing off Einar in a lot of ways. God, I think one of the most touching scenes in the movie is, you know, when she said, I miss my husband. I need to see my husband. It is a death in, in some ways. And now I have not been following closely the whole Caitlyn Jenner Kardashian reality show saga, but I do remember I did watch the the episodes around the transition time when he was about to he she when she was about to come out and that there was that conversation a lot about the death of Bruce and for the children and for, you know, whatever her name, what's the mom's name? Chris. And then, I don't know if, I, I know you watch it, Marcy, but I don't know if you listeners watch it, so I'm not going to go into too much detail about the show Transparent, but in the second Oh, I thought season, you were telling me I watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and I was oh, like, no. uh, hello? <laughs> no, no. Who I, the hell do you think I am? I was, I got a little frightened there. Who's got the time? I do uh, not watch Keeping Up, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, no judgment that- here. It's just not my thing. Yeah. So, but there was in that those episodes, they, they had that conversation. It is, there's <laughs> a period of loss and mourning and grief. And to ignore that can be really detrimental to family as well as. Well, to- you know, what's really interesting is in Transparent. Well, if, if you, in the Danish girl, they ended up then becoming sort of closer than ever. In Transparent, that happened with the ex-wife as well, that they became closer than ever. And and I, um, when I was... Spoiler alert. <laughs> sorry. When I was uh, in my early 20s, I had a roommate. And uh, we ended up becoming intimate as well as being roommates. You know, that never ends well. <laughs> Um, but, but we were great friends before that happened and it just, you know, ended up anyway. Um, I recently reconnected with this roommate who, uh, was a man then and is now a woman. You know, she told me about her transition and, and I'm not saying anything she doesn't know cause we've talked about it fully. It took me a hot, a hot minute to get used to it. It was a little bit of a journey for me because, you know, I feel like in some ways I'm part of a population that we're finding our way in some ways. Like, 
when that's in your past. However, much like Gerda and The Wife in Transparent, I actually really love my new friend. We are probably closer than we were before. And um, it didn't take me that long to get used to the idea. And then I just shifted. And, you know, I talk to her all the time. You know, she knows we're doing this episode. Um, this She said that when she watched this movie, she cried and she cried and she cried. And what happened to me when I watched this movie, and I called her afterwards, I actually had to walk out the first time. What are you laughing at? I just, what happened to me? Yeah. And I'm sitting here bracing myself because I, I know some of what I I walked out of the movie the first time. Um, it was, it, I, it hit me and pointed out to me just right in my face how unhappy she was when we were living together and I didn't know and you know it was in a time still where uh, people didn't really talk about that and I don't think I mean she knew but she, it wasn't like she didn't really know she hadn't I guess not really figured it out yet and so she was just really unhappy and I thought my god now um she is you know a lesbian now <laughs> so you know, she's attracted to women, but, um, which you as a therapist can talk about how gender and sexuality are two completely different things. But, um, so I guess, you know, like I said, the, I had that added thing when watching this movie, it was a very, it hit home in that way. And I, I had to, it was too much for me. Interesting. And then I, I actually watched it again, laying cuddled up with my delicious boyfriend Linda. <laughs> Linda Eastman. Yes, Jenny has named him Linda Eastman. Because he is, uh, we have Yoko. Oh, Yoko. Now we have Linda Eastman. Um, and it, it was, I don't know, just, you know, sort of the, the comfort that I felt there watching it. it. It was, you know, I... I Security. Yeah, security. Uh, I felt a little different. But still, it was it was a difficult film for me to watch. I also didn't like the film, but but I guess it did bring up some stuff. So in that way, I'm sorry, I'm just pontificating here. Pontificating. It's the new prescient. Um, I feel like um, maybe you know, it will touch somebody who's struggling, and that's a good thing. I think that for people in other parts of the country and I'm not saying that in a minimizing way but people who have less exposure to a variety of people and on a daily basis or live in a culture that is different than Los Angeles California culture which is extremely liberal and I don't see that as a bad thing um not that we don't have plenty of conservatives out here as well but but people from other places this might be their first real insight into this mindset and I would hope that it would be the beginning of a conversation for them or um, an exploration however yeah I, I feel like there there were some things that were 
way too glossy and Hollywoodized yeah. and it, it, romanticized. It, it aired on the side of political correctness a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, you can't make kind of beautiful and, and sexy or or maybe more, I don't know if you can't, it's probably more difficult to make beautiful and, and sexy the struggle of going through that change. I mean, I guess their 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 job wasn't to take us step by step through a gender reassignment surgery and, right. and that process. But choosing to do it now at this time in history, it it was a little bit, you know. It, it felt like a Tom Hooper film, who was the director. So Tom Hooper's the director. He did King's Speech, which I love. Love King's Speech, which you could really see some similarities in the how it was shot cinematically it, it looked very similar to uh -huh. king's speech and uh he also did les mis right with eddie redmayne um you know eddie redmayne's performance did remind me a little bit of his performance as uh what's his face name stephen hawking and uh uh the way he looked up and his things and i was like wow maybe stephen hawking is transgender yeah yeah <laughs> there was he, he yeah that, and, and maybe especially whenever he was in a wheelchair he just he went straight into yeah, yeah. when he was having neurological issues <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and that that that's bothered me the acting coach in me was like eddie come on Right there, and I don't know whether this was a combination, you know, one or the other, or a combination of the acting choices and technique as well as direction. But so much of his, of of Eddie Redmayne's characterization of this person was this sort of this posing, uh, you know, Ugh. with his shoulder, with his right shoulder up to his chin and his hand on his face and sort of squeezing. Like I was telling Tom, I, as a flat chested woman, I can speak to my Me to my too. fellows out there. Yeah, shosh. Where like <laughs> trying to like if you take your upper arms at women and like we squeeze our boobs together, like I can make one big good one you know that there was a lot of that like i've never hated like, you more like holding in holding in the the elbows and the upper two and then it's just like all in the forearms and the wrist and it's it's very closed off up here and and he was just sort of posing and and smiling coyly and touching his face a lot like that's what women do is we all just touch our faces we a lot we don't i mean there was it's so funny i mean but you know at the same time you know you have to learn how to be a woman so you know i think that there's a there's a learning curve with that and that's a great place to kind of talk just for a moment about gender and gender identity so there's biological gender which is our parts, right? What what we're born with, our sexual hormones, the genitalia, the our internal reproductive system, uh, and what those structures are at birth are usually what gender we're assigned, male or female, when we're born. Then there's gender identity, and that's sort of the internal world that we have, how we identify masculine or feminine and how the world treats us. And there's a psychological element as well as a social element, which is kind of what you're talking about, like learning how to be a woman. Right. Like we are, you know, we don't come out of the womb and say, give me a tutu and heels and, you know, <laughs> and right. 
uh, you but, don't have to show me how to use a tampon. Do. I mean, I was all, I was very girl. I was, I did want a tutu and heels when I was, you know, a ba- like a one years old. I have pictures of myself. Like that's, that's how I did. I was very girly. I played dress up. I, but, but some of that is culture and time and place and where you're born and what family you're born into. If you're born in the bushland and, and you've never seen a tutu or heels, how, female expresses itself is going to mirror what females around you and the world around you tells you a woman is. So that's the social messaging. So it's not, yes, your internal system may say you're a female girl and that's so that that's easy for you and it's, it's natural for you and that's what you want and like, but it's not, we're, we're not, we're not programmed. We don't come in, you know, saying like, oh my God, there's a sale on handbags at Nordstrom Rack. I gotta go. I'm sorry. (laughs) That was my first sentence. (laughs) There's a sale at Nordstrom's Rack. Not, but it wasn't Nordstrom's Rack. (laughs) Just Nordstrom's? Just Nordstrom's. Barney's. It was Barney's. It was. God damn it. So then transgender is kind of this umbrella term and it's been used in a bunch of different ways and trans being uh, on the other side of so on the other side trans is the latin prefix for on the other side so um as opposed to if you've heard the term cisgender which is what i think miss marcy would identify as which is that you identify as what you were assigned at birth if you are assigned female at birth and that's how you identify and that's how you feel and it's totally congruent in your head and that's who yeah, you are. Yeah, girly girl. Yeah, then that's cisgender and cis is a Latin prefix for on the side of. So it's the opposite of trans. So if you think of that, transgender can be something, some people think of it as you cross-dress or uh, the you identify as another gender like you said with your friend she uh she's a lesbian right so yeah. just she's she's transitioned but she's a lesbian she's she as a as to quote her she's still way into chicks she's, <laughs> so which is sexual orientation so right. who we like to you know who we like to fuck and how we like to do it that's orientation that's sexual orientation and again, tr- uh, transgender is a very umbrella term and people, transgendered is not a term. That's, you know, it's, it's an, transgender is an adjective. It's not a noun. And then there's transvestite. That's somebody who likes to dress up in the clothes, cross-dresser. Frankenfurter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I kept thinking about Rocky Horror and, and Frankenfurter and and so, some transsexuals, I mean, transsexuals, transvestism is, it's a, it's a fetish. It's, it's, um, uh, I want to say paraphilia. It's, it's this, it's a sexual uh, proclivity. It's something that turns you on. It usually has to do with the items, you know, the shoes, the, the clothes that it, not you don't necessarily want to be the other gender but you enjoy dressing up or the packaging and then there's drag queens and that's something else too and 
Um, it's kind of the cross-dresser transvestism. It's kind of an art form. It's kind of an identity. And many homosexuals, many drag queens are homosexuals. I don't know if there are many drag queens that are straight. I don't know what the numbers on that are. I'd love to hear it if somebody's got some uh, knowledge on that. It's not something I've explored, but um, it's it's an expression. So there's gender expression and androgyny and asexuality where you don't... I, asexuality, you're not drawn to one gender or the other you're sort of neutral and not interested <laughs> bisexuality go both ways yeah and making my brain hurt <laughs> it's a very big topic so this story was happening at a time when the conversation was just starting to happen uh, in a more public way uh and one of the things that isn't talked about in the movie is that one of the first people who oversaw Lily's transitions, first transitions, was this guy, Magnus Hirschfeld, who was this Jewish sexologist in Germany. Of course, the Jews are always ahead of the time. <laughs> exactly. And he was very, he was definitely ahead of this time. He was very much about normalizing what other people saw as abnormal and looking for gay rights and um, trying to treat people who were different uh, as equals and as fellowly human. So, uh, but anyway, so he had the, he started amongst other things, but the first thing was Magnus Hirschfeld started the Institute for Sexual Research in Berlin, which was, really fascinating to a bunch of people and was a place kind of like <laughs> way predecessor to like the gay and lesbian center over here. Right. So it's a place <laughs> where people could go and have community and have groups. Uh, some people think of him as like the father of self-help because it was the first time where people who could come together and talk about their experiences um, being sexually different and uh, did tons of research because he was convinced that it wasn't a choice uh, and he wanted to have some scientific evidence. So long story longer, at the end of that, in the early 1930s, it was raided by the Nazis and burned down. So again, I was, if you're watching... I was going to ask... If you're watching I can't imagine that a Jewish man with a, a sexual research institute in Berlin would have survived, uh, you know, because I know that, that Goethe died in 1940, which is, you know, right in the middle of everything. So what happened with the Institute of Sexual Research and Magnus Hirschfeld, Magnus Hirschfeld was actually out of the country at the time. Uh, but oh, in 19... 19- thank God. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Call in 19- me Bubby Smolin. <laughs> so in 1933, the Nazis raided it and like destroyed all this research and all these writings. And thankfully, he had some of it with him. And much later on, his... Chinese lover, I think, <laughs> uh, ended up collecting it and preserving Lady it. Lady lover or boy lover? Boy lover. Magnus. Uh, yeah, Magnus. You go, girl. You go, Magnus. Yeah. So in Transparent Season 2, there are some flashbacks to a place that is never fully identified, but which, if you do the research, parallels is, is Magnus Hirschfeld, Bradley Whitford, and is this you know Institute of Sexual you Research. You know what? It just, it's something I, I always have to 
reflect on. Those damn Nancys. <laughs> damn Nancys. Damn Nancys coming in and burning down the centers. God they, damn them. But that's always what happens in Warrens. So think about, I mean, on a totally different tip, but think about what happens and is happening in the Middle East with places, you know, with, and it happened in Roman times too. I mean, people come in and they conquer and they take over and they destroy all the hard work that has been done in terms of research and growth. Uh, so that's my little my little clip on sort of gender identity and gender issues and, and all of, of that. And I think that this is an interesting film to have that conversation around because, you know, there's obviously a psychological... Uh, struggle going on within Einar and Lily and this idea of, you know, I want to kill Einar, but that would mean I'd have to kill Lily too. And I guess in Einar's diaries, he had set May 1st, 1930 as going to be the day he would kill himself because he was so distressed. But then it changed because he ended up meeting these doctors who helped him along helped him to be her help lily come into being do you want to hear some quotes from eddie redmayne i would love to hear some quotes from eddie redmayne eddie redmayne says he's surprised about his new film that explores the sexual sojourn of transgender pioneer lily elba what i find what i find astounding <laughs> is that 80 years ago whilst there has been some progression there's still so far to go I think what's amazing is in the past year, the discussion has become mainstream and it's about people educating themselves and learning to be allies in the trans community. That's the great education I've had in this film because I was incredibly ignorant. Redmayne says he admires Elba, who is the first person to undergo sex reassignment surgery despite the life and death risk at the time. I'd never really thought about gender previously and I suppose I've accepted the binary terms of masculine and feminine. That feels antiquated in this day and age. Interesting. That word is a very interesting word, binary, and it comes up a lot in these discussions. And it's sort of the black and white. It's the, it's the extremes. It's the masculine and feminine. And I, I like the idea of gender fluidity. You know, women. I think it's easier for women generally, and this may be a very ignorant statement of of mine, but because we are, I think for us to ex express our masculine, at least in, in Western culture is much more socially acceptable than for a man to express his feminine. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I mean, we're allowed to wear pants. I, I just taught myself last year how to wear a tie. I loved, I love ties. Cause like I, well, you're I, very Annie Hall, you know? I love my, I love my husband's ties. I buy him beautiful ties and I want to wear them. Uh, I love the, that. <laughs> Um, I love that. And then I guess in the the aughts, you know, we had metrosexualism kind of come up. Uh, before that, you know, the long hair in the 60s and 70s. And of course, in the 70s, you've got guys wearing disco pants, too, I guess. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think the gender expression is in itself can be an art form. It's another way to express who you are and, and who you feel on the inside. And it can be whatever you want it to be. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? 
I think that we've come a long way. But, you know, I, I see again what my friend is going through. She lives in the South. Um, but she's, you know, going through some legal issues. Uh, she's a parent. I, I can't, you know, really right. go into it out of respect to but her. But one can just battles. imagine that as but a parent she is going finding, through that. She is running across bigotry after bigotry after bigotry. It's unbelievable. I think if she was here in Los Angeles, it would not be happening. But it's, it's. Or not to the degree. It's a very, it's crazy what's happening to her there. So we've come far, but not far enough by, you know, I think here too in Los Angeles, we live in a little microcosm, you know, and, and we think we see, there's much more acceptance here where we live than still a lot of other places in the country. There's also a religious aspect to it. If you believe again in the binary and the, in the male and the female and that God creates everything that, or um, that there's a certain way right and wrong that's deemed by the creator and that sex is for procreation, then it, it must be very confusing to be able to expand one's point of view to accept things that are outside that norm that you are programmed with as a child or as a, you know in just your community if you don't know anything different and so yeah, yeah well, if you grow up in one of those sheltered sheltered religious communities uh, to come out and and see all of this okay do you want to take a danish girl quiz i would love to take a danish girl okay quiz. um who for, i love to find quizzes for jenny Quiz me. Who says first to Einar? Oh, you know this. Why don't we call you Lily? Anna, Hans, Gerda, or his cousin Violet? Anna. There was no cousin Violet. They were tricking us. Who says to Lily, I already know, don't worry about anything, but I already know. Hans, Carlisle, Henrik, her Aunt Rose. Heinrich. Heinrich. So it's Heinrich. Or Henrik. I don't know how they pronounce it. Yeah. So it's Henrik, Heinrich, whatever. Okay. Okay, so there's a scene where Lily is with Heinrich. This is just a little sidebar here. And we mentioned it earlier, or Marcy brought it up earlier, and that he he's kissing Lily. Heinrich is kissing Lily and groping at his genitals, or at Lily's genitals. And Lily is trying to push him away. And he call, Heinrich calls Lily Einer. And... Lily freaks out. So this is a moment in which we realize, okay, so Heinrich is, and this is mentioned later, is homosexual, which means he's he's gay. He's he wants, homosexual. Yeah, he he likes he likes the cock. He wa he wants a bit of the cock. A bit uh, of the cock. <laughs> top of the cock to you. Top of the cock. And top of the mound. You know, Lily identifying as a woman. <coughs> doesn't want somebody who wants she's really cock. affronted by that yeah wait what do you mean you know that was a horrifying moment for her she thought she was passing as a woman and she was being desired as a woman and she wasn't right and that she was very upset by that okay so what's the next question who tells Greta I only deal in old masters in 19th century pictures Einar Heinrich Hans Franz Hans that's funny <laughs> Hans yes who says we know exactly what's going on with you inside of your lives, Lily? 
In your soul is a pretty young lady named Lily. It's as simple as that. It has nothing to do with being crazy. Hans, Greta, Heinrich, her sister, Tulip. Hans, Greta, or Greta, or Heinrich. I, it's it's strange because I don't remember that line at all. I'm pretty sure it's Hans. But I would probably say Hans if he says we. Yeah. Who describes Einar as a little boy with a secret? That's all. No different from the rest of us. Hans, Gerda, Lily, his niece, Begonia. <laughs> uh, I would say Hans, who knew him as they were in, in yeah, they were childhood friends. I have some Danish girl questions for you. Sure. Did you know about Lily Elba before hearing of the Danish girl? No. I didn't either. Why do you think her story was forgotten over the years? Or not made much of? Why do I think? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I would be interested in knowing where in the world it may have been, outside of gender and sexuality studies, where it may have been known. I, I know that a lot of these writings were destroyed or you know i mean we've got puritanical belief systems everywhere in the world that could suppress this kind of material because it threatens the norm so it doesn't strike me as odd and also nowadays nowadays as opposed to way back then i mean there are so many more high profile examples of of this so um so what that's why I feel like a lot of people don't know about it. Although, you know, I do feel like I'd, I'd heard about it in certain contexts or read about it because obviously it's sexuality is a subject of interest to me. But yeah, it's not something that stayed with me at the forefront of my, my brain. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but for now on, Lily's just going to be going to be Eddie Redmayne. Whereas, you know, my older sister, I'm, I'm sure who has much more knowledge and retention of that knowledge about the art world. I, my guess would be that in the art world, there was, there's a general knowledge of that because these portraits that Gerda did were very, very successful and, and well known in the art deco world. And there, there was some discussion too about whether or not Gerda was a lesbian and somebody also wrote, like, well, you know, in so much of the artwork, there's, you know, these erotic situations between two women. So, yeah, but if she's... if she, she was probably working things out, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe deciding if she could, you know, if that's something she could do. Right. And if, you're, if you are drawing erotica of you and your husband, who is transgender, identifying as a woman, and you're having success drawing or painting your husband as a woman, then just by license, you're drawing a scenario that may not be what you're actually living out or what your actual orientation is. You know, it's so funny. Here's another, there was another moment in the movie. We were like, it was driving us crazy when we were watching the movie last night because as I brought up, there were so many times when they brought something up and then it just, you didn't know why it didn't come to fruition I, it is really me being critical of the filmmaking. I thought this was a very imperfect film. I really yes, did. it was. And this was a moment that drove so. us crazy. 
at the library in Paris. Do you remember this moment? Yes. Einar briefly reads the myth of Hermes and Aphrodite. Which there, you wouldn't know. No, it was like a picture. You couldn't barely see the picture. And he got all emotional. But we were like, what? What? We went back and tried to see. It's like and a that's, diagram of genitalia, too, in that book. Their child, Hermaphroditos, uh, is where the word hermaphrodite originates. Hermaphroditos was depicted as having female breasts and male genitalia. I think that's what that picture was. So we can understand why Arno may identify with this mythical figure. He's like the myth brought to life is what this person said. But you know what? We didn't, I could, could you tell what that picture was? No. Yeah. And it was really frustrating. Like that was a moment for us. We're like, what, what, what are we supposed to get from that? So I guess that's what we were supposed to get from it. But you, you have to be a, you know, a, an expert in Greek mythology to know what that photo was. Maybe show a better, I don't know. They but it's never discussed. It's, it's never, never referred yeah. to. And, and we don't really see what comes out of that visit to the library as being. It's just another Eddie Redmayne, I have ALS moment. <laughs> Wait, oops, no, I'm playing. Well, this is something that Yoko and I talked about, too, is that that's kind of disappointing that although Eddie Redmayne is is an exceptional actor, he's he's very compelling to watch. He's very likable. Uh, he's very... My I Week think, with Marilyn was... Oh, he was so charming in that. He's got a sensitivity to him that's very non-threatening, and which I think makes him likable. And but, now we've seen his tucked, uncircumcised wee wee. And I think I feel closer to him. Sorry. I think that if you look at all of his roles, as as transformative as it seems in theory of everything, the essence of Eddie Redmayne overpowers the character. It, it's sort of like De Niro or Pacino. It's that. They play all these different roles, and you're sucked into the into the character, but it's still them. It's not. It's 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 not Jeffrey Tambor as him. Mort slash Mora Pfefferman. Oh, you know, Fefferman, which is I love when you compare that to his, these other characters that he's played. Very, very different. Whereas, um, there's something much more touching about seeing someone who looks like Jeffrey Tambor than someone who's actually really pretty. Eddie Redmayne was a beautiful woman. So, if you think about that too, that Lily herself was beautiful, imagine being a not so traditionally beautiful transgender person at that time. And trying to pass. Have you seen on South Park? <laughs> the character. Oh my God, I forgot his name. He's the teacher and he's bald. Mr. Garrison? Yeah. And when he transitions and he's still bald, but then he wears like the skirts and yes. has the little boobs and the flip flops. <laughs> so imagine that in 1920s. That was the other thing that I was thinking to myself. Like, oh, well, that's so lucky that, it, you know, in that day that being flat chested was in. Right. You know, <laughs> I missed my window, you know, because not having boobs was in fashion in the in the tw early 20s. And so so it would have been easier for, for Lily in that way. But some yeah. people believe that Einar Wegner had Klinefelter syndrome. Are you familiar with that? Mm, I it's don't a genetic condition in which someone has two X chromosomes and a Y chromosome. The syndrome causes a person to have a feminine body and lower levels of body hair, like Einar. Well, 
there's definitely theories and research being done on hormonal balances and and we know that beyond hormonal issues we also have just our genetics so if you are from a long line of hairless people you're going to be you're more likely to be hairless regardless of of gender so yeah whatever um but and and you know they were saying that's why they couldn't have a child and blah 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 but that's you know my friend who's transgender fathered two children before and you know uh, transitioning bruce jenner fathered like 27 children so so there's no direct correlation right. between fertility yeah fertility and one's gender identification and how one feels and there are plenty of people who are transgender and don't want to transition and who are fine in the bodies that they're in but not with the gender expression that they might feel is imposed upon them and there's also the issue of how do we address people and one of the things that I've learned over the years is you just have to sort of let them tell you, you know, how they want to be referred to and try to be as respectful of that as possible. It's like, it's, it's the same as if somebody wants to be a miss, Mrs. or Ms. It's, do you want to be he, she, neither? Is there something else? What's the name you want? So like, if you were going to transition to like, if you were going to be a man, what would you want as your man name? Herschel. <laughs> Herschel Shlomovitz. Herschel Shlomovitz. Rabbi Herschel Shlomovitz. <laughs> I love, I love, I love Magnus Hirschfeld's name. I'm like, Magnus Hirschfeld was surely going to be a gay Jewish sexologist, right? You know what? And I say this with all the love in the world. We make lovely homosexuals in my religion. We make some of my favorite people are Jewish gay men. I love my Jewish gay men. What's not to love? Yeah. Nothing. Shout out to my Jewish gays. The Jewish gays. Personal. Personal moments. I would definitely recommend people watching the documentary Becoming Chaz about Chaz Bono. Oh, I loved that. That yeah. was great. And and that it's fascinating too watching her transition, watching Chelsea, right? Chelsea, was it Chelsea Bono? Chastity. Chastity. Oh god. Chastity Bono transitioned to becoming Chaz and how Chaz Chastity's lesbian girlfriend became like uh like the dynamic between the couple chaz and his partner and how that changed as he was becoming chaz um and to me what was fascinating about that was really the living proof of uh, what what a strong role hormones play yeah testosterone is a big thing but you know chaz hasn't had the bottom surgery yet because the male bottom surgery is not in any way a perfect thing yet so male male to female bottom surgery they've really perfected they're able to take the urethra and turn it inside out you can still have orgasms you can have a beautiful vagina but they you know you still with the penis you need a pump you don't have sensation so Chaz has said that you know he's gonna wait until the he doesn't want to give up his orgasms 
Who would? I mean, because that's the thing, too, is gender expression is different from sexuality, and it doesn't mean that you're asexual and don't want to have sex. Right. Or don't want to have orgasms, like you're saying. Although sometimes some of the hormones that you take sort of chemically castrate you for a while. Oh, sure. But that that's also another message out there that's sort of related to this. The birth control of, like, Depo-Provera, the, the shot kills your sex drive you know certain things will kill your sex drive because it's reversible infertility right um or sterilization yeah you can have sex whenever you want you just don't want to it it kills it kills that it makes you fat i I know i i did it um and so yeah i can fuck whenever the fuck i want but i really don't wanna so what's what's the use of that just again just Anytime chemicals are getting involved, things are going to get dicey. And you don't know how your body's going to respond to them because my body might react differently than yours or somebody else's. So, you know, obviously there's a process and people have to go through lots of psychological screening these days before they go. Well, you have to wait a couple of years, you know, before to have the bottom surgery. They just don't go, okay, here you go. There's a lot that you have to do. Like in the Danish girl, you know, he had the surgery in a week. Yeah, he was just like, okay, I'm ready for the next one now, which also I think was dramatic license. I don't think that when they When he said that, Linda Eastman looked at me and said, he's going to die. <laughs> of course. And here's where he dies, right? Yeah. Just a moment. The score of the movie was very overbearing. The Alexander Desplot, or Desplot, I don't know how you pronounce it, Desplot, Desplot. Uh, score it's just felt flat. very it's flat. This... boss that's flat <laughs> that was a tattoo reference welcome to fantasy island it just felt very heavy-handed like then this is how you should feel now and now this is how lily is feeling now and it was beautiful it was just heavy can we can we take a moment speaking of music and Special, like, have a moment for David Bowie. Oh, yeah. I'm an alligator. I'm a mama, papa coming for you. I'm a space invader. I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you. It's interesting talk about uh, David gender. Bowie in terms of androgyny. And, oh my and... god, he was like the father of it in modern music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what he a... really teased that line. It was fantastic. Again, Did you, do you have his last album? Did you I, buy it? I think I. Oh, not the one the that one was that just came out rec- last Friday. No, I did not. I oh, did. it's great. I have it's the great. second to last one. Um, and have you seen the 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 videos? He was he was amazing because he knew he was dying and he. He said goodbye to everybody, and he turned his death into his last great artwork. And it's amazing. The videos, I'll send them to you. They're insane. So there you go, listeners. Go out and check out that because look, sounds like it's a little uh, mind expanding. I look forward to that. Don't let me hear you say lights taking you nowhere. Um, as we said, the movie was adapted from David Ebershoff's novel. Uh, it was adapted. The screenwriter was Lucinda Coxon. Um, you said Cox. I said Cox. Cox. She, 
you the cox. She took the cox out of coxin. Titillated. Um, Titties. Titillation. It felt like mainstream melodrama to me, though. Dude, I mean, didn't it? It's like a lifetime movie. It's like a lifetime. You know, I did love the clothes. The costumes were beautiful. I, I love the colors, too. Well, they, the, they, you the, know, they, they, the, the set, they tried to make like Einar's paintings. Yeah, they also said that the Copenhagen interiors were modeled after a Danish artist named Wilhelm Hammershoi. So, oh, I want to marry him. Wilhelm. I want to be Marcy Joe Hammershoi. <laughs> so, when I'm he, not being Rabbi Herschel Shlomovitz. <laughs> So the production design mixed with Danny Cohen's cinematography, I I, I thought it was beautiful. I thought even the exterior, the the shots of the Denmark landscape. I'm not sure how many um, fish markets. I'm not sure how many nominations it got. I know it got Eddie Redmayne and the actress who played Gerda and Best Picture. It didn't get nominated for Best Picture. It didn't. Uh-huh. I want to ask you about this line from the movie and whether you agree with it, disagree with it, or what you think of it. Gerda tells a model early on, it's hard for a man to be looked at by a woman to submit to a woman's gaze. Oh, oh, the man who didn't want Einar in the house. Yeah. Uh, and she says women are used to it for men to submit to a woman's gaze. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable, whatever. It's uncomfortable for men to submit to a woman's gaze. Do you think that that's true? I don't know. I uh, I love looking at men. Sometimes I yell out, "Woo woo, show me the goods." Is that a problem? Do you think? <laughs> to she show, to she show. Yes, but it's only when you're wearing your hard hat <laughs> and, <laughs> and you've got your jackhammer in between yeah. your legs. <laughs> show, hey, me hey, your hey. <laughs> show me your cock. Show me your cock. Show me your cock. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, for women, we don't have to shout out for men to show us their cocks. <laughs> I mean, that's just like, yeah, totally natural for them. No, but I do think men are not as comfortable being objectified. Well, I say objectified. But, but I think you're right. I, I, that's, you know, I think that's the right word. I, uh, uh, I objectify uh, Linda Eastman all the time. When he gets ready for work in the morning. Oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, hey, you look so cute. Look at your tushy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He oh. doesn't enjoy that really. <laughs> Oh, Yoko does. <laughs> he will. He'll come to love it. He'll learn to love it. Yeah, no, Yoko you know, is like... I a, admire the goods. They're very cute. But I can understand. I think, yeah, I, I think men may, maybe not enjoying it, as you're saying, is part of just not also being used to it. So it feels right. like uncomfortable or that they don't see themselves. Men, although it is a vain culture and it... it, it increases all the time in different ways that men and women both have we all have body issues and oh yeah you know. i mean i love i love being admired by a man who doesn't you know i don't like being admired in a skeevy way but no matter who it is if someone tells me i'm pretty i'm like <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you right when it's invited there's a difference between when Hamid, my dry cleaner, tells me I have nice titties, I'm not as happy. 
Yeah, I would find another dry cleaner. I, I, I'm thinking of it. He does a great job, though. But he always does the elbow brush so that he sort of gets nip a little bit oh, when he's getting my stuff no, from me. No, that's just inappropriate boundaries. <laughs> and he has really long nose hair. Oh, God. Well, and this is something else that we've talked about before in other podcasts. Like, it depends. Like, the the, the messenger matters. So, yeah. you know, is it acceptable... When is it accepted? I think this was the conversation we're having in The Graduate. You know, it's it's it seems unacceptable and skeevy when it's by somebody who's unattractive and um, lascivious as opposed to somebody who might be plenty sexy and kind of has a sexual confidence about them. Then that those overtures might be more willingly accepted or like in the case with Linda and Yoko for us, you know, <laughs> being, object- <laughs> being objectified by them, and I like that we call them Linda and Yoko because <laughs> we're we're just playing more in this gender identity kind right. of uh, kind of thing. And they're both so masculine. That's <laughs> yeah, a funny like, thing, and you know. It's that it's not about. Yeah, I mean, it's not about gender expression. They're they're definitely you know sporty boy boys. But <laughs> yeah, but that we want to. Uh, that we can admire them and at least I know, as I said, Yoko's okay with it. You know, I think he likes it. He, he I gets think they it. all secretly like it. Of course. Of course. But, and men don't, but yeah, they're just not, men aren't as used to it because they don't, they don't get, they don't get that overture. So the drive isn't there. But again, that's part of the social messaging and in our culture, men are dominant and um, tend to be dominant and, also, over the years, historically and evolution-wise, they're they're just bigger and stronger. And now, let me ask you a question: Did Yoko? I'm looking over, and Tony Danza's penis is right in my eye line. Tony, anyway. Okay. Um. Did you, Yoko watch the Danish Girl with you? Yes. What What was his reaction? I pretty much the same as this kind of conversation that we're having. He felt the limitations of. Eddie Redmayne's character choices, the melodramatic nature of it, the story holes. It seemed very, just everything that we've talked about here kind of watered I mean, down. I mean, you know, I, it, it wasn't, wasn't shocking. By no, well, no, and... neither on my end either. I mean, but obviously oh, no, Miss Jenny and I uh, could not be with people who were not secure and open-minded. You know, that would be a rough situation. So... Yeah, but it just, uh, you know, I'm uh, on this end too. It just, it was not a good movie, really. It was, you know, yeah. I think it's a little overestimated because the performances were yeah. amazing. But one of the one of the conversations that Yoko and I have had about the theory of everything and the Danish girl, and in both of those films, Eddie Redmayne really is carried by the strength of the women playing opposite them who sort of get short shrifted um, not only on the page that the characters aren't as dense and fully formed, but those actresses performances played by lesser actors, you know, it just wouldn't fly. He wouldn't be as good. I, I don't, I don't feel. And I think he'd be the first person to tell you that, though. Yeah, he's I, a very gracious performer. I'm not saying that he's not. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that as somebody watching it, the, not only the characters themselves being as strong, if not stronger, than the men they're with, 
the the actors are just phenomenal. Just the, the trans and the journeys that they go through are so heavy. And considering how little they really are given on the page, how how well they realize those characters, I think is 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 worth noting. And I'm I'm really happy. Both characters or both actresses. Uh, is it Felicity Jones? Is that who played? Yeah, she Theory? was great, and she was nominated too. So I'm glad that you know both of them were nominated. I for... really love that actress who played Gerda. I hope we see a lot more from her. She was really interesting looking. She was. She's a... the only one that's actually Danish. She's a lovely performer. There were some moments in the film that really felt like some like it hot. You know, whenever he would be like taking off the wig or yeah. Victor Victoria, these kind of these moments that were like Victor odd. Victoria, best movie ever, that, which we should cover. Um, but which were kind of um, classic transition moments that felt so familiar. Yes. You know what? I think what was different in this movie as opposed to like the, the sort of comedy transitional movies is that we did see the pain of when Einar had to stop being Lily. And I, that was, I think there was a beautiful moment when he was, when he made the choice to be Einar to try for to Gerda, for her, yeah. for her and the, the pain in his face. That was one of my favorite moments in the movie actually. Well, that was really when you knew that as a couple they were done because yeah. if she couldn't have a relationship a an intimate relationship with Lily. If Gerda couldn't, then then the, that marriage wasn't going to right. Intimacy is important in a marriage. Yeah, very much so. And there's that. There's also a moment where Lily has been hanging out with Heinrich, and Lily says, "It's nothing. He's homosexual. I just need someone to talk to." And Gerda said, "Because you can't talk to me," and. I think that that's also got to be a big part of that transition too, that not only the person who's going through it's fear of connecting like, or fear that it's going to be difficult for this other person or um, self-protection as well as protection of the other, but that there is this loneliness that has got to accompany that feeling of this is, I, I I'm not who they all think I am and and then trying to find a place or a person who understands that feeling in a way that no matter how much she might have wanted wanted to Gerda can't really understand in the same way that Heinrich could because even though he's not he wasn't struggling with a transgender issue dealing with a sexual orientation issue that's different from the norm, non-normative is in itself feeling, could feel fraudulent or like you're trying to hold something back and, or like you're undercover and not quite sure how other people are going to take it. So it made sense to me that he was having those conversations and also it was heartbreaking because there was a feeling like he couldn't, he was denying Gerda even the opportunity to try to be that person for him. I don't know. The the also the transition of whether or not he was going to have the surgeries or not, and going from the shrinks and the doctors and the doctors telling him like you mentioned the the hormone stuff might have been related to the infertility, and then they they use radiation on his genitals. Oh so, my god, that was so horrifying. Yeah, so if he wasn't able to have kids before, yeah, I mean he's zapping your like wee wee. Yeah, not zapping the boys. And he comes out, you hurt Lily. 
Oh, really? Because it looked like he hurt little liner right there. Yes. Liner. And strapping him down. In that time, in that era, in the 1920s, the prevalence of uh, the art world as being a place where one could be different or gay or non-normative in one's orientation seems to have been one of the few places where that would have been acceptable. Probably the only place. It still is, thankfully. Yeah. But I imagine at that time it was... Maybe in the theater as well, but that is the art world. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking art. I'm thinking art, theater, music, and writing. Kind of the the world of the arts. Coal mining. Coal mining. <laughs> it's big. Big. Big transgender job. One Eric. of the things that was never talked about was where the fuck did they get all their money? I mean, I understand that they sold paintings but like did they come from money or not that was never well, addressed in the they movies were poor. was that poor it didn't look like they were poor yeah and but you it, know there was often times when she you know there was a time she said we have to watch pennies and then lily when they're in Paris. The store yeah but i thought that lily was going to work in the store as a as not a conformity i mean sure probably to make money but also as just part of the integration into society maybe uh, because she no longer wanted to paint, or she wasn't a painter. Einer was the painter. She wasn't. What, what do you think was the symbolism of Einer's painting of the bogs? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> Einer, you know, always painted the same thing. And it, I guess the symbolism, they were very unhappy paintings. They were very dreary. Trees without leaves. It was very dreary. It was, you know, it was things that, weren't what they should be and i guess that's the symbolism yeah it's kind of interesting thinking of it like they're these barren sticks in the bog like these trees that sometimes i feel like a barren stick in a bog that was a beautiful opera that i've been working on did you like it i loved it thank you yes i never noticed that you have party lights oh yeah yeah during a party they're usually on um at that time, too, if you had any sort of internal conflict with your sexuality or gender, a lot of times, and this was something that was talked about in the film or that you saw in the film, it was diagnosed as schizophrenic, too, or they would just lock people up. And I think hopefully we've come a long way from there. I thought Hans was really sexy. What was his oh. name again? Matthias. Matthias. I, I, uh, I, I turned off my electronics. Oh, that's okay. The Hollywood Reporter talked about elements of the film as being obnoxious foreshadowing. The LGBTQ community has been upset by the lack of authenticity or courage that it showed to have somebody who's cisgender, you know, gender normative uh, playing Lily as opposed to somebody who's actually transgendered. Here's the thing I was going to tell you. You know who originally they they wanted to cast? Charlize Theron. That's interesting. I could actually see that. Yeah. Especially after seeing her in Mad Max Thunder Road. Oh, fuck yeah. She's so her sexy. masculine energy was... But it's kind of like what you and I have talked about, boy-girl sexy. You know? Yeah. Like, she is definitely boy-girl sexy. So is Angelina Jolie. Although Angelina Jolie has too modern of a look, I feel, for <laughs> Lily. But they're both... Yeah. But in a way, they're both almost no, too kind of masculine. she could have played Lily. But I think of them like... Like, Eddie Redmayne... Is so slight and 
yeah. kind of life in a way. Like, my guess is if you stood him next to Charlize Theron he, or Theron, he would be dwarfed. Like, yeah. I may be wrong. He's not a big man. No. Um, there was one other person, but I, yeah, Charlize Theron was one that I went, hell yeah. That is a, that's a great, um, that's a great choice. Some other programs. She was set to star opposite Nicole Kidman. Okay. Well, I can fully see that. Although Nicole Kidman kind of makes me want to slap her sometimes too. I feel like if it had been cast like that, it would have been too, too big. It would have been about, they're both two biggest stars. I don't know what your feelings are. What are you? Um, yeah, I like the fact that, that. Well, Eddie Redmayne's a pretty big star now, you know? Yeah, he is. But I I think that, um, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, I think that it was just, it, it wouldn't have worked. It would have been a weird star power kind of Charlize Theron. I don't know. If it were Charlize Theron and someone not known, that might have worked. Right. You'd just be like, it would almost be like the thing when you're watching Carol. Did you see Carol? No, I have not seen Carol yet. Because <laughs> a lot of people love that movie. I know. Have, I was like, surprised that I say. did not. I was surprised that I did not. Maybe we'll talk about that one at another time. Yeah. Oh. So Jenny, oh, what? Okay, so before they start going to the doctors to get Lily checked out, and there's they're having a conversation, I guess it's Gerda comes back from finding out that she's going to have an art show in Paris and Lily is sitting at the table and Lily has just had that incident with Heinrich where Heinrich called Lily Einer and grabbed Einer's cock and Lily was having none of it. Uh, and Lily confesses to Gerda that she's been seeing Heinrich and this is before the time when she says like, I need someone to talk to or whatever. And She's in so much pain. I think it's in this scene. And is falling down. Or no, actually, it's a different scene. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. But there's a, there's a scene where he, she, Lily, is falling down on the floor and is, like, grabbing her gut. And it's not a nosebleed. It's, like, this other physical manifestation right. where she can't walk. And then they end up in the hospital. It sounds like, from what is being discussed, that Lily is having cramps. That's, right. Because the doctor's like, so you have these once a month, and well, it was a, it's a sad. That's but they were that's how they justified the nosebleed too. Like she was, they you know, which I don't believe is true that she was manifesting menstrual blood. Well, that was the conversation that you and I were having right. before, and that that this is nasal tampons. Yeah, Sorry. that this is sort of. Was this a psychologically induced, like a psychosomatic incident of wanting to be a woman so bad and wanting to identify with cramps or not? Or was there really something going Why on? Why would in that anyone area? want to get cramps? Is what I have to They do not know what an annoying. Sometimes having a vagina is a lot of responsibility. It, it is. It's a delicate flower. No two vaginas are alike. No, that's true. I, I'm sure no two penises are either. I want to be fair. But yeah, it's not... And this is something that I think the second season of Transparent, and again, we're not covering it, so I'm not going into it in, in detail, but that... And and hopefully this isn't 
too much of anything, but there is a an ongoing discussion throughout the the stories in Transparent Season 2 about the differences between what your kind of gender identity is and also your your understanding of gen of of that in the world. So in other words, Jeffrey Tambor's character identifies as as a woman and is making this transition and is suddenly faced with the realities of of what being a woman actually means in the world in terms of people's attitudes towards you and the oppression and the social mores and the macro and micro aggressions that are perpetuated against women that unless you're a woman you don't even really think about you know unless you are somehow focused in that direction you wouldn't and it's not to it's not at somebody's fault you know we don't have a choice on what packaging we come out in so i can't say you know it's your fault if you're not aware although i do hope that people want to be more aware we're only exposed to what we have exposure to and so if you've never if it's never occurred to you that women are treated lesser or that women are maybe nervous walking down a dark street alone at night that then suddenly as you are taking on that identity that becomes a reality for you and there is that scene in the danish girl where lily gets beaten up in the park in paris and that to me i think was a really important scene and i probably would have forgotten to talk about it because though that to me is sort of about that that he wants all the good stuff that kind of comes along with the identification of being a woman. Well, but that's what my friend is dealing with, is that, you know, she said to me many times, I I didn't realize how hard this would be. I did not realize. She doesn't have regrets, but it's a lot harder than anyone will tell you. You know, you're. it's very, the, 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 the joy of finally being who you're meant to be takes over everything when you decide to make the transition. And there is no way to know how difficult it is until it happens. And it's been, it's been painful for me as her friend to watch her go through this. She's, you know. I can't imagine. She's amazing and she'll be fine. She's smart and funny and, you know, all everything good. But love you, Em. But um, uh, it's hard. It's hard as her friend to watch it. I imagine that beyond even what I was just mentioning, taking on the prejudices or aggressions against women, not taking them on, but realizing them, experiencing them, that there's on top of that an added element of otherness or prejudice that one experiences from being different on top of that. Because it's, I mean, it's, again... We, we're born in these packages, and so that is kind of, we get normalized to, all right, so I'm going to post my profile on JDate, or I'm not, not say JDate because I don't want to, but like on Match.com, and I'm going to get a 
a bin full of dick pics from people I've never seen. And I'm just going to learn how to roll with that and be like, okay, and not see that as aggressive and inappropriate, like, well, or maybe I'll see it as inappropriate, but just like, all right, that's just guys being guys and like, sorry, you know, block them, block them, block them. Right. Whereas if you're not used to that, it could be really like, what the fuck? You know, like at first. So there's that. But then on top of that, I know that I can't also understand the extra level of the otherness of the differentness of having come in a different package and feeling like I'm, you know, I'm, (laughs) I'm Barbie in a Ken box. And, and now I'm trying to be Barbie and everybody is looking at me like, Oh, it's just Ken in a wig. Right. And what that kind of prejudice uh, or rejection might feel like. So you know, it gets very complicated, I'm sure, and can be very painful. I mean, like, you don't already feel different. But hopefully for people like your friend going through that transition, it's worth it. It is. In, and the, this... in the long run, she's happier. But, you know, it's just it's just a shame. But And it's so hard to find shoes. It was that was another scene in the Danish Girl that I thought was kind of funny when they were when they were dressing up Lily to go to the artist ball and they go to the theater. It's early on and it's still just a like almost like a sex game that they're playing. Right. This is it sort started of, with a nightgown. Yes. Yeah. After I that was really a, that, that was really yeah. a sad thing for me too because he was you know at first you thought he was just so turned on by her in that nightgown. That was a really sexy scene between them. There were a few sexy moments in the in the early part, and then it wasn't that at all. He was turned on by the nightgown itself, and he was wearing it. But we we hear about this, and we've seen this, and she was wearing it first. Yes, no, she was wearing it first, absolutely. But he was wearing it like later, and there is this fetishism, like we're talking about, and transvestism, but that's also sometimes it's not even about being male or female clothes it's a texture you know it's furries like you know people who dress up in little plushy outfits um now that's hot <laughs> for some people it is I get don't... me a brony anytime <laughs> so um yeah so in that moment it's like i saw her being kind of turned on also you're playing with gender roles you're playing with dominant submissive see our 50 shades in, of gray podcast uh but and by see it she means hear it (laughs) and that the texture itself could be erotic of that silk nightgown that she's wearing i like bring a silk nightgown yeah i don't know how i would react if yoko came out in one of my nightgowns that is a visual that i can i can't imagine but makes me giggle but again he's got a little fluffy pelt as opposed to (laughs) eddie redmayne who doesn't right well because our boys are boy boys. And they've got their testosterone. They're working yeah. their testosterone. But yeah, that's a, that's a really important scene. Oh, but then, so there's that scene. And then there's the getting ready for the, getting ready for the ball. And they go to the theater and they're looking like Lily picks out a pair of shoes, but it's like way too small. And they kind of got to go and find like the bigger pair of shoes. It's just in the montage. It's not really a scene. It's just like a bit. But I think about that. Like, it's hard enough. For, for people who have, because there are plenty of women too who have like size nine, ten feet and define, uh, me. define shoes that are. I'm five foot two and I wear a size ten shoe. 
She she wears skis. I do. And today, Jenny, would you like to talk about my footwear? I I thought it was done on purpose. Really? But she has um she has bi-gender boots. I'm wearing two different boots. I did not know. But they're actually the same boot in two different colors. One, one is, is pink and one is brown or fuchsia. Yeah. Uh and um neither one match my outfit. And I think it's I think it's very appropriate for today. Uh, yeah, she there you know go. I did be. it on purpose. I did. I did on purpose. So Jenny, yes, let's go. Pants down. up or pants down? Yeah, pants are just exactly where they they were. I, it, uh, I they there maybe, was they're, never they're still, they're a, up. nothing sexy about that movie. There were a couple of in the early yeah, scenes. There yeah, some... they had some nice sexual chemistry, but Eddie Redmayne is good at that. He's, you know, he, he's a sexy little motherfucker. And so she, she's, she, she's yeah. hot and comfortable in her body, and they yeah. seemed like this playful yeah, young couple. Yeah, she had couple. a great little bod. That was kind For of sexy. For me, once but, yeah. I saw him tuck, all tuck that went pose. away. Tuck, tuck and pose. Yeah. Oh, God. I just, I know. Eddie Redman's penis. Oh, Eddie, no. I mean, I am, I'm happy. I'm, I am happy for anybody who is transgender and 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 is able to be their authentic self. So I want to say that it's it's it's. I am not in any way dissing the transgender community. I fully support anyone being their authentic self. I just didn't want to see Eddie Redmayne's penis. You mean tucked? Tucked. Or I wish it had been circumcised. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I like a nice clean peni. I well, there's nice... some who would argue that a, that a uncircumcised penis is as clean as any other. Well, I mean, and to as me, it's Jenny natural and authentic. said that uh, she had her first multiple orgasms. So check our website. We will be coming out with the Lee Press-On Foreskin. <laughs> So obviously we talked about why we decided to cover this movie yeah. and we'd also been wanting to do something that was like current cuz we keep dragging you back into the past with us and Which we're we will do again. That again. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about how the critics have responded to this movie. Obviously there's award buzz. I and- feel that people are afraid to be too critical of it. It's it's too hot a topic right now. And too esteemed a creative team. There is another film coming out soon with Susan Sarandon. I can't remember who else is in it about a transgender teenager. Uh, let me look that up. I will tell you what it's called. And I've been seeing the previews. So it will be interesting to see how that is covered, you know? Um, Some other transgender programs, obviously, in Orange is the New Black has Laverne Cox's. Uh, character and she hosts a show called The T Word. I guess it might be a reality show. And then there's I Am Kate reality show. Transparent as we've talked about. Boy Meets Girl which is a BBC Two sitcom uh, which actually has a transgender actress Rebecca Root. Uh, I have not seen that yet. I'm interested in seeing it. There is a 2015 Sundance film called Tangerine which is a comedic drama that, that was that film was that was filmed completely on an iPhone. 
yeah, so it follows to the two characters that are transgender, black transgender prostitutes in Los Angeles. Also, I'm interested in seeing that. And there's also an HBO documentary produced by Lena Dunham, your favorite, uh, coming out um, <laughs> called Three Suits, which is about a company in New York or in Brooklyn called Bindle and Keep. And they they make suits for the LGBTQ community. And so those are some other transgender programs and movies that may speak more to these issues. I think it's obvious why this, how this movie got made. Do you think that this movie is going to stand the test of time? Do I think it will stand the test of time? Well, you know, um, because it takes place in a different time. And because it's covering how transgender issues were handled then, I think it will. Because we'll always see how far we've come. So people can always hold it up. Susan Sarandon is in that movie. It's called Ray. Elle Fanning and Susan Sarandon. Yeah. So that one looks really good. So if you want to see another transgender movie, it's coming out in a few months. So, listeners, I think we've given you a lot of information uh, as well as started a discussion on this topic. Obviously, there's lots to be talked about, and we didn't talk about all of it. And I'm sure there are some things that we may have said that inadvertently could be offensive or, or taken out of context. We try our best. Yeah, we do our best. Know and... that Jenny and I truly, truly support anyone who is their authentic self. And wherever you're coming from, yeah, I mean, just as being different ourselves in our own we ways. We really fucking quirky. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, whether, however you identify, you know, that is that is your business. And, and we wish you happiness and, and safety. Safety all the time. And, and acceptance. And acceptance. Yeah, community is really important and 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 acceptance. And yeah. a good mascara and blusher. Always important, ladies. If you can't do the full makeup, a nice mascara and blusher. So Jenny and I have different levels of deepness. Look, I recognize the importance of a good blusher, actually, or a good <laughs> pressed powder for me, but I'm oily skinned. So I, we hope that you find the gender guides that that you need yeah i think stay tuned for our next show where we'll be covering tbd yeah to be determined yeah there's a lot of things that are on our minds. i have thoughts i have thoughts too we have lots of lots of thoughts we're deep in thought all right kids so have a good day enjoy the rest of the day at school no running in the halls it's time for recess Rusty trombone. Hot Carl. Rim job. Toss my salad. Cinema sex ed. Cinema sex ed. Nipple clam. Chocolate coxicle. Pink taco. Hop on this, baby. Cinema sex ed. Cinema sex ed. Money shot. Anal intruder. Cleveland steamer. Gas mask. Cinema sex ed. Cinema sex ed. Reverse cowgirl. Yeehaw! Teabagging. Kama Sutra. Kama my face. Cinema Sex Ed. Welcome back, student. That's way too loud. Here we go again. <laughs>